Make sure it's recording. And welcome to the Glacially Musical Port YouTube Review. I, of course, am Nick Cameron of the Musical, hopefully looking fantabulous more uh, than normal, joined by my good friend, the man that can fix any computer problem, Chip, the IT guy, Chakas. How are we doing today, buddy? I'm hanging in there, buddy, <laughs> by a thread, but I'm hanging in there. Happy Memorial Day, if it's a happy thing. A respectful Memorial Day, solemn Memorial Day. Agreed. Uh, it is Memorial Day. As we're doing this, I try to keep it pretty low-key, personally. Because, um, you know, I've, we've got a lot of people in my family that didn't come home from wars and I've got uh, my one of my closest friends the best man at my wedding was did two tours of duty in the Middle East and he almost didn't come home in both of them so you know my big big doings there yeah my father was a veteran my uncle was a veteran rest in peace both of those guys um so yeah I always you know it's a it's a we've turned it into kind of a because it's a three-day weekend because it's a day off of work because there's this unofficial start of summer in america we have turned it into a party holiday but it really used to be a very solemn I and mean, you think about your grandparents and your parents like memorial day was a stark reminder that people went to war served their country and did not come home mostly, it's so. it's a I think it's a very different thing now that, and this is going to be the last thing we say about Memorial Day. I think it's a very different thing now that we have a volunteer army rather than a conscripted army. And we should go back to the conscription and that's all the politics I'm going to get into. Uh, let me do my quick beer check. It's a little bit later for me. I'm not, Keefe has been only awake for a little bit. Got the microphone down for a good pop. <laughs> nice. Trying to get this on camera. If I look better, hopefully I do, because I bought a camera. I spared no expense. $18. $18 for a high-definition camera, because I have been, each week as we do this, I want to get a little bit better. And I, my little laptop computer microphone was or microphone wasn't getting it done, so I got this and now i've got a new camera which is up here so if i'm looking in the wrong place at all the times i'm sorry but hopefully i look good doing it you do my friend what beer do you have we skip right over oh, the beer check i have a squatters double ipa which is just one of my absolute favorite uh dipas it is a nice filtered copper colored lager or ale excuse me uh, but so I you gotta don't. Be, you gotta, I don't have a beer check because it's like eleven thirty in the morning here in California. I am drinking an espresso coffee. Um, in my, <laughs> my, I'm staying. I went to. We'll, we'll segue from the beer check, just to say that I did have a very fine craft beer yesterday at a music festival. I will talk about during the news segment, but I don't. I'm not at home, and the only beer there's White Claw in the fridge and Sapporo. Neither of exactly. I'm not going to drink either of those before. Sapporo is delicious. I know. I'm going to probably take them home. She said like she had guests over who brought it and they didn't, she doesn't want it. So I'm going to have uh, a Waterloo. I'm going to drink a bottle of water. I'm going to drink this Nespresso. I'm, I'm living on an Anvil and a Kind Bar right now. I, uh, well, I actually had coffee right before I logged into the meeting. So, yeah, but I've been up. I've been up. I have mowed the lawn, cooked lunch. I, I've had a pretty productive day. But uh, do you have a vinyl check this week? 
I do have a vinyl check, even though I am not at my home Ooh. because I used to live here and some of my mail still goes here. Did you mute yourself? I can't hear you. No, I'm not muted. Are you still there? I'm here. Okay, good. Just checking. I'm on my, I had to, because of technical difficulties, I had to move to my phone. So everything is squiffy now for me, but I have a vinyl check because I had mail come here uh, while I moved away <laughs> the last year. And I still, some of my purchases are still showing up here. So I have finally, I think it arrived actually technically here a few months ago, the split EP from Moths and the Stone Eye from Puerto nice. Rico. So you can see that without the glare and the light. This is a beautiful gatefold vinyl. Um, I'm not sure it comes with a poster. That's really beautiful. You will not appreciate on my cell phone camera, so I will not show it. It's got, I think it's got a lyric sheet card. It came with some kind of special coaster with a download code. I believe it comes with a download code and I did buy a special swirly vinyl. So let's see what the special swirly vinyl, ah, it's on, it comes in a paper sleeve with a mylar inside and a gold vinyl or nice. mustard, mustard yellow vinyl. Shout out to Moth's PR in particular, Wesley McGrone, writes for Ghost Cult, is a music marketing expert as well as a journalist. So he writes some reviews for us. He's affiliated with Ghost Cult. He also has several bands. He also manages, I think, bands. So very glad to get this, spin this bad boy soon. And uh, that's my vinyl check for today. At least I had one, even though I'm not home. Very cool. I also have a vinyl check today. Most of it I shouldn't, but I do. So sorry. Sorry, financial lockdown that I put myself in that I broke out of. Uh, starts off with a new copy of Led Zeppelin form by saying, when I say new, I mean new to me. This is a second pressing of the record. And the reason why I spent too much money on it, I spent $30 on this thing. As you can see in my nice new spiffy camera, this thing is in immaculate shape. Yes, and, the, cla the classic Atlantic Records label right there. And <clears throat> it hasn't been cleaned yet, and it looks that good. Mm. So once it gets a little bit of a whack through the cleaner, which I've been real lazy about lately, now again, are you still are you still using the cleaning device, or are you just wiping them down with the towel? Oh no, no, no! I use the device that we did. Uh, you know what? We should do another. Care, we should do a care of vinyl YouTube only version because we've already got it in in the pod. The, yeah, but so we'll All get right. to that. Uh, that I paid thirty dollars for that one. Market value on the internet is fifteen. However, I got it in the wild at a store. So, and at the same store, he had just taken in a Black Sabbath collection and he even had Headless Cross. And he's, he couldn't decide if he was keeping it or not. I'm like, dude, it's hot garbage. And he's like, well, why do you want it then? Because I can't help myself, sir. I have a problem. That's why. Uh, next record. Free, Fire and Water. Uh, mm. this, this past weekend, we actually did a... Paul Kossoff solo record on the Department of Mental Antiquities. Um, picked that one up for 15 bucks, got it at the uh, one of the antique malls I go to and it, really good shape. And I mean, honestly, I'm not a big free fan. And if you're going to buy any free record, that's the one to have. It's mm -hmm. got every so every free song most everybody knows. Mm -hmm. Now, for, the, for, those, for those that don't know, free is the precursor to bad company. Is that fair? <sighs> Unfortunately, I hate bad company. You do. I don't know why. It's irrational. 
mostly because of the music. It's the best thing Paul Rogers ever did. It's better than the firm. I'll give you that. It's, it's... I mean, there's not much that isn't better than the firm. The That's firm true. is an amazing waste of an ability. But mm. uh, my last vinyl check today, and I'm going to thank the anonymous benefactor who lives in San Francisco, who's on the podcast with me today for sending me this one. Keefe actually sent me a copy of Metal Massacre. And it is the clear version from Record Store Day this year. Sounds great. Looks amazing. We're going to talk about that a bit more. Fully today. remastered. Fully. Re- let's let's wait. Let's let's get to that at the when we get to that. All right. You're uh, welcome, first, my friend. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to get a nice little uh, bundle sent your way because I've got a bunch of stuff that I think that you could appreciate, and then I don't want anymore. And I got doubles of and. <laughs> All kinds of stuff like that. So cool. I'm moving out of my place on June 30th. So either get it to me then or get it to me when I get end up in my next place. I don't, we'll, we'll work that out. But uh, <laughs> so this normally would be the beginning of the King Diamond episode five, but I decided no, because there's a lot of garbage in this in the King Diamond decade. And uh, I look, I've never heard the next one that was lined up for for this week. But I've heard the one after it, and it's absolute hot garbage. And I didn't want to talk about King Diamond being hot garbage again. So, in our in our pursuit of greatness, we are definitely super ambitious, like in what we attempt to chew off, and it does bite us in the ass sometimes. And it's not that we don't want to review stuff that's sometimes disappointing because that's good conversation for us, and we love King Diamond and Merciful Fate. So but hard. it's like it, and so it's, long. If it's trudgery. It's not worth it for us to do. You know what I'm saying? It's just not I worth it for us to do. I just couldn't these. picture myself listening to those two albums again. That is completely fair, my man. So now we'll move on into the news section for the week. If you don't mind, I'd like to go first. You should, because, because you have the big important news of the week. Yes, this weekend, Creatures Fest, the Vinnie Vincent Return to Form Festival has happened. So. I'm wearing my glasses. You can't see, but this tears of joy under here. Go ahead. Oh, my God. I have been studying this and watching the videos and following the tweets and the kiss. Oh, my God. I am exploding about this one because it's so ridiculous. Let's just finger fudge this song, bitch, and let's just do this. So uh, night one, Ace Fraley plays, does his bit, whatever. Ace Fraley's Ace Fraley. He is, you know, he, he he's milk that's two weeks past expiry. It, it is what it is. Peter Chris comes out, sings Beth with him, and they do an acoustic rendition of Beth. Not, not great, not awful. And then Peter Chris, after knee surgery, sings Strange Ways with Ace Fraley on the drums. Peter Chris played Strange Ways on the drums with Ace Fraley. So you got to give it up to him for that one. Nobody expected that. And that was a good little performance. Uh, then there were a bunch of other bands that are, whose names I don't care about. Quiet Riot's one of them, or what passes for Quiet Riot. Kind of kind of Quiet Riot, semi-Quiet Riot, uh, noisy Riot, quiet, uh, quiet stroll uh, in the park at AARP, AARP. Then, and I'll get to this one last. I'll get to Vinny last, because Vinny was too, Vinny was Saturday. So Bruce comes out, and again, uh, Peter joins him. Peter was not performing as such. He was coming out here and there. And he comes out, sings a couple tunes with Peter, and 
or Peter comes out, sings a couple tunes with Bruce, and everything's fine and great. And Bruce Kulik plays the entirety of Revenge front to back. And I, I really want to see Bruce Kulik do a tour very much. I would, he, he, with this band where he's playing the Kiss music, the Kiss is forgotten or no longer can play or doesn't want to play, whatever. Now, let's talk about Saturday Night, the Vinnie Vincent re. Now, this was billed as Vinnie Vincent and band playing the entire Creatures of the Night set from Rockin' Rio front to back with a band. He was headlining going on last. Well, Vinnie decided, no, I'm going on first. So the openers, like Pretty Boy Floyd and Vixen, played after him. He goes on stage 90 minutes late. Okay, you with me so far? Uh, also, mm. also scheduled for this was Bruce Kulick and Ace Fraley to join him for a couple tunes. So he starts <clears throat> playing before the crowd is even allowed. Oh, and photos and videos are allowed per Neil Davis, promoter of Creatures Fest. They're going to take it public. They're going to do it like it's a regular concert in 2022. You know what I mean? So he starts playing as the crowd is being let in. He starts playing, no one else, because there's no one else on stage. So he's standing on top of this tank that Neil Davis recreated for this, just wanking what he would call full shred, which is about a squillion notes, about a million miles an hour that I could play on my best day, except I could do it better because I would have, be in a key. He's just, <laughs> that's all it is. And it's sloppy, it's grotesque, no band on stage. He does this for 20 minutes. Then he starts playing, he played I Love It Loud to a backing track and a bass player, his AKA hype man. And then Bruce and Vinny come out to, or Bruce and Ace come out to Vinny to play uh, Cold Gin and War Machine to a backing track. Ace even says on, on stage, I, I can play anything, but I need a drummer. What is this? So... There you go. May, I, may I, If I can commentate, I have seen none of this because I was at a festival all weekend that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But I have to say, the reason Vinnie Vincent isn't a bigger success in his life is because he never figured out how the game works. You can't do things in half measures. This is going to be my theme for all of June as we approach June. You have to do things full just bo all full bore, all out or not at all in. And Vinnie Vincent is a half step in mother fudger his whole life, his whole career as a musician. I'm not talking about his talent because on paper, he's the most talented person Kiss has ever had beside Bruce Kulick and Eric Singer. The problem is, and that's not to disparage anyone else. I'm just being factual about musical no, act talent. Actually true. He has I'm more talent about, than anybody. He's more talented than anybody. The problem is because he knows he's more talented than anybody, he doesn't. He never figured out the music business part of it and had to do everything appropriately because he was coddled, Molly coddled his whole life. He's got a Pollyanna view of what how big a star he is. Wrong, wrong, okay? And he does shit like this, straight up amateur hour. Which if he, did it, if he did it right, he could squash down every bad thing he ever did in the past that he has to own up to. He never, barely ever has. And he could squash down a lot of the shit that's talked on him today 
And I want, I want, I'm rooting for him. You're rooting for him. We want him. I to totally to, want him to, to to fulfill his potential. And then he's like, never does. No, never, <clears throat> never anything close. So yeah. can he still play fast and loose and like shit? Yeah. Yes, he can. Yeah. Vinny well, Vincent want... is the re- is the Reggie Bush of football. He really is like the mm-hmm. Reggie Bush mm-hmm. in the NFL. Heisman Trophy oh, yeah. winner, most talented guy to ever walk on a football field marginal career with occasional flashes of greatness that's the whole he is the jd drew of (laughs) the base of the of the guitar world jd drew played jd drew played for the cardinals uh crazy amounts of talent had everything going for him except his hard work no hard work cardinals trade him and they win a world series the year they trade i'd be mad if i had paid to go to that thing and i love vinnie vincent and i mean look look i'm dying to see bruce do that I would just anything to hear unholy live, right. whatever you want, I'll pay it. I love Ace and Peter. Even a bad Ace and Peter together in person would give me the feelies. Yeah, I love and I love Beth. I don't care. Unapologetically, was, love Peter is my favorite member of Kiss. Always will be forever uh, since I'm four years old. And uh, the worst yeah. part about this is this is actually the best case scenario that the Kiss fandom came up with is that he would come and play something but not what he promised to play. I don't understand why it's so hard for him. He could be doing so well he, if he just applied himself. You know, he, he is a self-destructive individual. I don't know what his problems are. I'm not going to try to diagnose Vinnie Vincent on this podcast. Let me just... Mm, sexy. Just, yeah, sexy, I'm not. Sexy Nick action right here with the Gravehopper shirt. Yeah. It's glowing dark. It's my quarantine war machine shirt. I am also wearing a glow in the dark shirt, but it's not dark enough in this room for it to glow. But uh, yeah, so Vinny has issues that he just hasn't sorted out yet. And the moment he sorts, the, he, he if he had sorted those issues out at any time, he would be a genuine star, I think. But as of now, he's somebody that 45 people would die for and somebody that the rest of the world doesn't know. So moving on from moving on from Vinnie Vincent. It's a tragedy because it could be so good. Mm -hmm. And the Kiss fans deserve this. They deserve. That's why Gene and Paul will not fuck with Vinnie like straight up. That's why they won't even talk to him because like this shit. Correct. They'll they'll deal with Ace somehow, but not Vinnie. Well, Ace might be late, but he performs and he does what he says he's going to do. Regardless of how, you know, all the terrible things Ace has done, which he's done plenty, he has always turned up for every concert eventually. And uh, and then played what he said he would play. It does what it says on the tin, right? Correct. Um, Here's my quick news piece. As we try to keep this thing from rolling off the tracks, I am going to have to you. Uh, by the way, because I am recording because of technical difficulties off of my phone, I need you to run the track listing of the rundown later and keep us on time because I have none of those things. Uh, no, available. I'm good. We are good. Roll, roll, roll. Uh, News now. Roll. Go, bro. <laughs> so as we as we move into June, it is the beginning of the festival season in America and the rest of the world. It's heating up. Um, there was the disastrous Welcome to Rockville. It's not Welcome to Rockville's fault that there is terrible weather in Florida every May. They had three days, parts of three days canceled because of weather, missed three headliners cool. of a four-day festival, including Ooh. Slipknot, Corn, 
Guns N' Roses, none of them played. Uh, no, that suck a lot of ass. Was not safe. And I applaud. I understand that fans are very angry, but you got to keep the fans safe. And hey, you gotta, you've got to do the right thing. If anything, yeah. the last two yeah. years have taught us. But, but yeah, we did get Nine Inch Nails full performance and we did get Porno for Pyro's first show in 26 years. Amazing. Uh, and amazing. Wow. And they played Jane's Addiction songs because Jane's had dropped out. Porno for Pyro's replaced. Yeah, Dave I love Navarro, that. That is like my favorite story yeah, I've ever heard. Yeah, Dave Navarro has long COVID apparently and he just oh. can't travel and he just can't tour he's quite ill actually uh not like deathly ill but he's just not well enough to participate he was hoping to will his body into shape to be able to perform and you know the dave navarro probably one of the greatest guitarists of the last 30 plus years cannot can't do anything else but dave navarro music but he's great at whatever he does yeah i have only ever seen him as a member of the chili peppers which to me was the best the chili peppers have ever sounded that show. Um, yeah, Amazing I, show. I love that album and tour. That would be a really good album uh, for the Department of Metal Antiquities if you haven't done it already. One hot minute. We've talked about it many times. We did I'm sure Duncan, solo record. I'm sure D- Duncan, oh, Trust No One? Yeah. I love that record. I'm sure Duncan has a, despises the Red Hot Chili Peppers, just knowing him. I bet he hates them. Hates them. <laughs> I don't know. We I love mean, you, Duncan. We love you, Duncan. We spend so every much. week praising and hailing the great Duncan Evans. Please go buy his music at DuncanEvans.com. Anyway, um, but he hates, I know he must hate them. As a great singer and songwriter, he must listen to Ketis and just die a little inside every time. All the shubba-lubs? The shubba-lubba-lubba-dubba-dubba. Yes. Copyright, anyway, copyright so. my best friend Curtis Dunlap, 1985. Anyway, what is my news though? Beside Welcome to Rockville and that disaster, I went to a music festival this whole weekend. I barely woke up today from it. I'm exhausted. I think I did 35,000 steps in four days or three days. I know that's a lot. That's nothing to healthy people, to a chubby, fat, sedentary person like myself. I want to die inside. Um, but I went to the Bottle Rock Napa festival i went last fall when they finally brought it back it's normally this weekend every year memorial day headlined by metallica which is of course we're going to be talking about metallica today what else metallica um pink last night uh black crows mount westmore which was snoop dog ice cube too short and e40 especially if you're in the Bay Area, like we are basically, E-40 and Too Short are as big as Snoop and Cube. But obviously Snoop is a cultural phenomenon and Cube is a huge movie star on top of being a, a legendary rapper. So really cool. And Cube had a wait My favorite until thing co- about Ice Cube is in the movie, in the show Boondocks, when Riley gets, gets kidnapped with Gangstalicious and he goes, I just wanted to be like Ice Cube. I thought he was so cool. Ice Cube, the guy that was in family movies? He's a gangster. He was a gangster rapper. Exactly. I always um, got to bring that up whenever I hear the name. At Barbershop. Uh, you know, America's most wanted. Totally different guy, but the same guy. And O'Shea Jackson Jr., by the way, shout out to him. He's becoming quite the good actor. Uh, I suspect he played him in the uh, No Sleep Till, whatever my, whatever that movie was. Straight out of Compton. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, no Sleep Till Brooklyn is the as yet unmade Beastie Boys movie I want to make. Anyway. Also, uh, O'Shea was amazing in that role. He was fantastic. He was his dad. He looks like him. He sounds like him. And uh, but yeah, so the festival, just for the quick points, is gourmet food, wine country, Napa. So it's wine, craft beer, 
fancy food at 25, 20, 15 to $25 a plate of food or a serving of food. But like, it's such a cushy and fun experience. It's so chill. It's so safe. It's so low key. And the layout is the same now. I went twice. So I, this year I had the advantage. I knew what to expect. I knew how to avoid the crowds. And I would say like the, the amount of people was more than last fall, which was really just coming out of COVID here in Northern California. And honestly, for the Sunday, so Metallica headlined Saturday, for the Sunday, it was double the people of Friday and Saturday. It was a mob yesterday. So it was exhausting to just kind of like walk extra to get around crowds. And just for my own personal, I'm wearing my bottle rack hat from last year. Uh, had a great time. And I'm just going to quickly discuss the Metallica performance because that's what we do here on this podcast. We talk Can't help about it. Metallica sometimes. Cannot help it. Uh, so Metallica, it's their first show. They just came off a tour in South America which is we had the James had the emotional moment on stage in Brazil. Like, I don't think I'm good anymore. You know, my, my basic standing philosophy is that when Metallica is not doing their own thing, they're in control of like their own tour, they struggle when it's not everything their way. And so at a festival, it's mostly their way, but it's not entirely their way. So, you know, they come out, they have their stage, the big bottle rock stage. They have their video screens but and some of their pyro. But you know it's not going to be the full thing. Right. You're just not going to get the full meal deal. You can't. They played, it's impossible. They played, they played Napa on Friday. They flew to Boston on Saturday. They headlined Boston Calling last night in Boston. And so Friday they came out. And I'm going to say it was kind of an odd set list. And the set list is on my phone, so I don't have it handy. But I will just say they, it was just a little very mid-tempo and chill. They opened with Hardwired and then played the Memory Remains second. If you, and then if you can destroy just a little bit, I'll pull, I can pull up the second. Yeah, but I'm going to say like, so first of all, the sound was mixed very badly for them the first half of the set, which also happened last year for GNR. So it makes me think it's not Metallica. You know, Metallica drives into a town to do a tour and they drive in like 18 semi-rigs with their entire own sound system. They have their sound guy, their soundboard. They take out whatever's in the venue, move it out, move their shit in. And that's what they do. So it's to their liking. I got um, it. I'm ready. They, if you want me, yeah, if they, me. we don't have to do the whole set list. They, they played a, a good set list, but it was weird. The pacing was weird. Okay. The only it, odd tune I see here is whiskey in the jar, which I, yeah, you know, I don't care for it, but everybody well, was, it. everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. the crowd went crazy. I, I stood next to a young girl who was at saw Metallica for the first time and she was losing her freaking mind and it was beautiful. And I saw, and I was next to a woman a little more my age who had not seen them, though, though she's a Bay Area native and skipped every time. She felt like Bottle Rock Napa was the time to go to drink wine with her husband and go see Metallica and educate him on metal. And she and I were vibing and he was like, why are you talking to that guy? Because um, I know the music, buddy. And uh, you should make an effort to be interested in things your wife is interested in. That's the success of a healthy relationship. But um you know, they played, they kind of played, it was weird because they just came out literally a week and a half ago, they were in South America. And then they played Friday and it seemed like they hadn't played in a long time together. They were very, a little sloppy, which is okay. But like, there was a whole, it, like wherever I may roam, you play guitar a little, like it's one of the easier Metallica songs to play. All the Not Black Album song. songs are. Right? So there, there was an entire middle section, the second verse of Wherever I May Roam, where like Lars stopped playing entirely. And it seemed like they didn't know what to do next. So there was like a weird, the tape is uh, rewinding. It was jammed. And now it's like, not, not like, I'm not talking about anything pre-recorded. I'm saying the band on stage was like discombobulated for a good 30 right. seconds. Like what did James is like, 
singing and the band is out of sync. Like they don't know what they're doing. And then they kind of all like, okay, let's get it together for this next chorus. But it was like, what the fuck is going on with them? It happens. So that's, it that's just could be, it, could, it happens. Yeah, it could be age. It could be just catching exhaustion from, again, they're touring, you as you have mentioned many times, less and less and less dates every year with more and more time spread between them. That is how they're able to stay fresh. They did play, they did play three Ride the Lightning jams in a row. And as you know, Ride the Lightning is my jam. Um, they played, they played uh, Creeping Death, Fade to Black, and uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls all in a row. Uh, not in that order, but all in a row. And, uh, you know, I no, it looks like a very good the, set list. They, they played. Yeah, I started to head for the, yeah. 16 songs. They, yeah, they played the same set list last night in Boston, except for Whiplash instead of Hardwired, which is much better. Um, and with the Whiplash, I'm sure, video opening. And, you know, they had their awesome visuals. They still had their video screen. So I just, you know, like, they're still good. It was the least good, the least good, you know, quality time of the five times I have seen Metallica in the last year, this was the worst. It's still kind of a C plus B minus. They've been like an A a couple of times and they've been in the B range a couple of times, three times an A, but yeah, we're a little, a little weird. Uh, Kirk sounded great. And uh, it was like a funny moment where Kirk and Robert tried to frog walk around each other, where Kirk imitated Robert doing the crab walk. Um, hilarious. 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 Yeah, I think they did that when uh, during the solo when I saw them last. Yeah. And I will also just mention again, not to get overly political, but I kind of can't help myself. A lot of artists this weekend, and it was not so Metallica was great. I saw all three bands of Metallica's children. They were all varying degrees of excellence. I got to meet Lars's sons yesterday. I didn't get to do an interview with them, but I met them and talked to them about Ghost Cult and themselves. They have a record coming out. Bastardane is the band with, that's probably the best musical. That's James's son on drums. And the rest of the band is from Georgia. And those guys sound like early prong and helmet. Otto is like crossover thrash, sounds like suicidal. That's Ty Trujillo's band. And, and uh, Taipei Houston is Lars's son's band. And it's kind of an alternative rock, indie rock, stoner metal, psychedelic metal weird but good um not too different than uh, a little bit like healing magic max cavalera son's band so um all that being said and done good weekend enjoyed a lot of other performances that were not metal or rock and uh had a great time ate some delicious food probably one of the best chicken sandwiches in my life best paella i've ever had um you can really go nuts with the gourmet food up here skip the wine it was too hot had one good beer yesterday i'll text you what that beer is and uh, was a, a very good IPA. I, I, you know, there are the big brands are all there. Lagunitas, Dogfish, Hop, Hop, whatever. All kinds of different breweries are there. But like, I skip those because you can get that anywhere. I don't need to pay fourteen dollars for a Blue Moon. I can get for seven dollars on my block at the bar. So I want to have something unique to to the place. Smart choices. So yeah, festival, festival hard. I'm suffering for it today, physically destroyed. Uh, I'm probably taking the day off from Ghost Call, a rare day off of doing absolutely nothing until tonight when I get home back to San Fran. And uh, yeah, man, good times. Well, if I could transition from the latest thing Metallica did yes, into to the, the very, very first, actually the second thing Metallica did. And we'll discuss right. that more as we get to it. But we are this chaser. We had four shots of King Diamond. Mostly goodness. Now we got to get that chaser. Because um, the thing about the chasers is when we do a series, when we take the shots, some of it goes down easy. Sometimes you're taking shots of Maker's Mark. And then sometimes you're getting shots of Old Crow. So you got to get a nice little 
as we did back in the day when we were taking shots of uh, Jim Beam, little Mountain Dew to calm the throat. We do shot of shot of Jim Beam and then take a sip of Mountain Dew because we were classy motherfuckers. But so we are talking about something good and wonderful in this world, which is the Metal Blade, the very first Metal Blade release by Brian Slagle, Metal Massacre. That Metal Massacre is an interesting kind of thing. It was the first time American metal was featured. Up until this point, there was no such thing as American metal. Metal, what became metal, and even for the next 10 years, was still a largely English affair. You think about Deep Purple, you think about Led Zeppelin, you think about all of these popular popular heavy rock bands and proto-metal. They were all English. Even Jimi Hendrix was basically English. I'm sorry, it's true. He, he had he to was, go to England to make it. He couldn't right, make he wasn't going to make it here, so they took him to England and he made it there. So when you think about every rock star you've seen in a sitcom, you know, a, a fictional rock star, they're always English. So here we have the first time American metal and American rock is really being featured in a new and different way, which is awesome because none of these bands were signed. And we've got a real big mixed bag about where these bands went, what happened to them. But let's first talk about the elephant in the room. Two elephants, actually. One white, one pink. The white elephant, of course, is the fact that Metal Massacre, Volume 1, first pressing, because there have been four pressings of this album. The f- Volume 1 first pressing had 10 tracks featuring the very first recording Metallica ever did with Lloyd Grant and Dave Mustaine playing lead guitar. And Ron McGovney was not on it. James played the bass. So the very first recording Metallica ever did, apparently... Sound as I the review that they editorialized in one of the Metallica comic books I read back in high school said it sounded like a lobotomized chimpanzee spinning sandpaper on a turntable. That was the description of the the quality of the recording. So, second pressing comes out. James Hetfield says to Brian Slagle, "I want you to use this version. This version had was the the version that would later would show up on No Life to Leather." So a more professional signing recording, all four members playing on it, including Dave Mustaine and including Ron McGovney. Then they also changed out Steeler for Black and Blue, which I don't understand. But hey, you know, you do what you do. I'm going to tell you that I, I am, as you know, I am not an Ingwe Malmsteen fan. Do not care for the dude. Do not oh, care that for Ingwe. Do not care for Ron Keel at all as a person, and he's an okay singer. I don't jizz all over the place every time he opens his mouth like some hard rock and metal fans. I'm perfectly okay with Black and Blue over Steeler. Yeah, it's. We'll get to that. Then on, then on. The third pressing, it, they kicked it down to nine tracks. Uh, I'm uh, not sure. Oh, one of them. No, they're both there. What is the difference on the third one? Uh, we are missing a track. There might have been a thing where Rat's record label didn't let Rat. Them yeah, Rat, Rat is missing. Because Rat's record label was like, Rat is not allowed to have a song on another label. Because they were okay, a major so label band. Go. 
So now the pressing we're going to be discussing today is the fourth pressing, the 2022 Record Store Day, official Record Store Day pressing, which came out last month, which has 11 tracks. So what did they do? They put every single track on here. So we have Rat, we have Steeler, we have the greatest band ever to come out of Seattle, Washington, that wasn't that great, Black and Blue. Actually, I don't even know if they came out. of. No, I think they were from Portland. I got to think about it. But anyway, so I don't want to go too deep into each particular track because we would go for decades. Uh, I could easily give you the highlights, but I think we should do better than that. Uh, Starts off with Steeler, Cold Day in Hell. Ingvay's not on here. I thought he was, though, originally. He, had, he was in the band at that time the Metal Massacre came out. So I don't know if they also subbed out a different version. Michael Dunnigan is who's on here. Weird. Because he was definitely in the original incantation or incarnation. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they, maybe, maybe Ingwe didn't allow them to use his track, which is also a distinct possibility. That is a very, that would be peak Ingve. In the words of Butthead, he is a chode smoker. I don't like that guy at all. I don't care <laughs> about impo- his guitar playing. It is impossible. You know, I don't know the man, but from what I have seen, I cannot imagine enjoying that man's company. The best thing about him is when he's drunk in the Pantera home videos and they try to give him donuts. There's nothing good about I don't care. Come at me, bro, online. I don't think he's good. I disagree. He's a good guitar player, but as a human, I'm going to say no. Uh, so, you know, not a bad track. Good, good opener. It's fine. Uh, next we get on with bitch live for the whip. Now this is a band that kind of came and went, they had one album and that's it, which is unfortunate because I think this track is frankly amazing. It's amazing. They were amazing live. Apparently I did not see them. They were the precursor to Vixen. They are a hard rock, heavy metal, glam rock band. And they were great. Yeah. They're, they're the precursor to Vixen, but they're good. Ouch. Brutal. Do you want to see Vixen right now? No. There you go. You want to see bitch right now? I would. See, there's a difference. That's a pretty significant difference between those two answers. One, no, I don't know. Actually, Two, Vixen is still playing, and they're apparently pretty. Cool. I know they I were know at up. they were at Creatures Fest. <laughs> they played after, after Vinny. <laughs> yes, they played after Vinny on the night Vinny headline. Continue. I'm going to continue laughing. You continue. All right, I'm going to put the tokens in. Okay. All right. Um, oh damn, what's his name? The the ooh, the dude from Mortal Kombat. Oh, they do. Anyway, so Malice, Captive of Light. Now, I'm not a big Malice fan. I do have their first album that I picked up at Music Record Shop in Midtown St. Louis, which is a KC95 on-air promo that was never played. If you think Judas Priest is amazing, you might really love these guys, except for the fact they sound identical to Judas Priest. But that might be the reason why people like them. If you played Malice and Judas Priest back-to-back to to somebody who didn't know either band, not that anybody knows Malice, really, they would never be able to tell a difference. I mean, it is a carbon copy. They put out uh, their debut a few years later in the beginning on Atlantic Records. That's the one I have. They put out a follow-up, fell apart, and then in 2012, 
some of them reunited. I don't know how many, maybe all of them. Uh, if I guess, you know, if, if, you know, they could all get time off of their job at the grocery store at this point um, to, you know, make an album called brand new gods with a Z or something. And I'm like, dude, you're in your fifties. Please don't use Z's for S's. I did that in my twenties. I did that in my teens. I mean, James Hetfield can get away with it because he's James fucking Hetfield. James Hetfield named one of the bands I'm in that has a word with a Z in it, and he picked it. So, like, I think that's a good seal of approval. Granted, that was in 1996. But, uh, all right. Uh, next, we move on into Rat Tell the World. Uh, was not familiar with this tune. This is a different rat than what we know. This is a rat that, had they been led down, they could have easily gone down the Metallica Slayer path rather than the rat path. Mm, there, it's a very new album a little more even punk rock than new album uh, for, but it is the very first song ever by Rat. It's their first song ever. Yeah. It's a good song. It's, I never thought I would say that about Rat, but here we are. And then of course, as we know, Rat goes on to basically conquer the world. And this is uh, for the most part, as far as I know, Stephen Piercy, Robin Crosby, Warren Martini. who are we missing? We're missing somebody. Matt Thorne. Oh, we're missing. No, they're both there. Juan Robin is not. Warren. Juan is. Juan is not there, and Rick and uh, who's the drummer? No. Oh, uh, well, Bobby. They're, they're, Bobby Blotter. 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 Yeah. Bobby Blotto. <laughs> I really don't say it, man. <laughs> so Sorry, that's everybody. that's my impression from him from behind the music. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when he became a surfer dude when, with puka shells. Mm. You know, I don't know what the proper look to do. I don't know where you go after glam, but I would not have guessed puka shells. But, you know, here we are. Mm. Then we move on into Octane by Avatar. I not the Avatar, be. not the Swedish Avatar of today, obviously. An original band called Avatar. No idea who these people are. Came and went. Forget yeah, I don't I don't recall I don't even recall this tune. Now we get to the good side, in my opinion. The second so, half is definitely better than the first. Side one is actually a pretty damn good side. Pretty good though, yeah. Between bitch and the rat song is is pretty in malice. The malice song's good, it's just they disappeared. They malice would have been so much better if they didn't sound just like Judas Priest. Yeah. It it makes it hard for me to listen to them, quite Ooh. honestly. It's too close. So now we do side two. Black and blue chains around heaven. And this is, as far as I know, the, the classic lineup of black and blue. Which your boy? Jamie St. James, which is the greatest. That is a better stage name than Vinnie Vincent. That is the greatest bad stage name ever. <clears throat> oh, yeah. The, the only way, the only stage name I've heard worse, that, worse that's worse better than this is what Eric Carr wanted to be, which was Rusty Blade. Yes. When when Jason Mewes shows up at Zach and Miri make a porto, and they're like, what's your name? Lester. Lester the molester cock and stuff. Oh, my God, that poor name is amazing. And, and Mewes goes, what? I can have a poor name? I'm going to be Pete Jones. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is probably my favorite black and blue tune I've ever heard. It is awesome. And it's good. Then it's 
And then they get signed to labels and then Gene Simmons produces them and steals their songs. That's my favorite part about Gene's uh, producing Black and Blues. He produced them and then stole their songs. How about he produces Van Halen's demos and couldn't steal any of their songs because he couldn't play any of them? Really? I mean, yeah, that, that's probably about right. Uh, but they could play Nasty Nasty by Black and Blue, which they turned into Domino, which is just as cringeworthy. I love the music. I don't like the lyrics. I like the music. And his in... singing, you got to admit his singing is pretty good on that track. No, but not the, the words at the all. The studio version of that track is terrible because they played it in standard. Oh, it should be in D. They, they always played an E flat back then, but they put okay. this one in standard. So when they did it live, they played it in E flat because Kiss, I don't think, understands the concept of you can have guitars in different tunings. And that guitar tech that you know, he can hand you guitars based on the tuning so they always played it in e flat and then they played it in e flat and they were in their natural spot and it sounded much better but the lyrics are a bit awful Ooh. yeah uh moving on to death of the sun by surith ungol second now, best track on this whole record agree opinion. completely agree now i would have thought surith ungol would have been a swedish black metal band from like 1998 uh, a la Opeth. Yeah, Opeth. With a similar, or... similar, similar uh, Tolkien name. Yeah, what's uh guy? What's um? Oh shoot! Uh, who's the the black metal band that Celtic Frost became? Hell, Hellhammer. Not Hellhammer. That's not the one. Oh, Trypticon. Trypticon. I mean, again, this is a name like Trypticon. This is a name like um, Dimu Borgir. I mean. But no, this is just some rando American dudes. And then they sing in this King Diamond falsetto that King Diamond could never pull off. So the fun thing about this band is they are still around. They're still awesome. They have had a new life lately. They have a recent EP. They are working on a new full-length album. Uh, uh, My man, uh, Jarvis Leatherby, is their manager and bass player. He's also in Night Demon. If you you like your American... New wave of trad heavy metal and Sir Thungle. This is this song is awesome. Brings me back to my teenagehood. I love this track. This has always been my second favorite track on here. Yeah, it's it's a great track. And yeah, they <laughs> they just put out Forever Black in 2020. And before that, I'm alive in 2019. And uh, they had been a little but they had a pretty pretty reasonable recording career. They had one, two, three, they had four albums on their original run. Yeah, they play a lot of heavy metal festivals, a lot of trad metal. People still look up to them and copy them. I'm going to have to check some of that stuff out. And next, we move on into Demon Flight and their track, Dead of Night. I think Death of the Sun and Dead of Night probably should have been back to back. But Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's all right. It's It's all right. I believe this is the band that basically did nothing after this. Mm -hmm. If memory serves, all they did was like a single later. Yeah. Yeah. They had a single in 1982. And that's it. Flight of the Demon, which had three songs on it. So not a bad song. Not an amazing song is what it is. Then next is Fighting Backwards by Pandemonium, which is probably the dumbest title on this album. Which... Pandemonium is actually a pretty good band and that um, they also didn't do a lot, but they also had an interesting 
kind of couple of years after Metal Massacre. They might be the third or fourth most successful band off of here. They had three <laughs> records, and that's been it. They had one in 83, one in 85, one in 88, so <clears throat> just never really broke. Mm. So my guess would be they were probably uh, just kind of opening for bands, hoping, hoping to, to get lucky, and, and just didn't. You know, if that's, I mean, and that's the thing about the music industry is, what we are looking at on this particular compilation. Actually, let's talk about Malice, then I'll get back, and then I'll circle back to that. Then we have Malice again. So now I'm circling back to that other point because I have nothing else to say. I mean, this Malice song sounds just like the other one. So uh, circling back, this r- compilation album is probably one of the most interesting things. And it's it, it really spotlights how the world can change for an artist and a band in just a matter of moments. So, you know, I've heard stories about, you know, oh, so-and-so didn't want to be famous. They didn't want to do this. They didn't want to do that. The moment you release music into the world, the moment you put your name under a recording contract, the moment your music is in a store, you have signed a binding magical contract that you could be famous. And what do we have next? Metallica. We have Metallica's second recording of their very first song, Hit the Lights, which, if I'm being honest, is the worst song off of Kill 'em All. It's not bad. Not great. Right. <clears throat> really? No life to leather. We're going to kick some ass tonight. It does what it says on the tin, to quote my British friends. It does what it says. I mean, like, in 1980, 81, 82, 83, that is American metal. That is American metal. Yeah, That's what I know. For. I know. It's like, it's like gangster rap 10 years later where they got to sing about how they're gangster. Here they have to sing about Even how they're, they're rich and they don't. Yeah, That's like, they have to sing about how they're metal. I will. I, yeah, this is it's it, the like how Metallica even got on Metal Massacre in the first place is a miracle. Like mystery no one knows lars well i mean so brian slagle's book which he which he gives his life story as it's half memoir half the history of metal blade so he launches metal blade on the back of this compilation didn't know what it was going to do didn't know it was going to become a phenomenon underground and otherwise lars is brian's friend and is you know well known in the scene as that guy he keeps saying i'm gonna have a band wait till you see the band i'm gonna do I often mock people today who are like, well, you don't even know what I have in store. I usually pick on those people because I don't do that. And I don't think you should do that, anybody out there. But uh, Lars tells Slagle, I've got a band and a song to put on the comp. And then it's like the opening of Network. Lars is literally running to give Brian the tape on the last day possible before the record is pressed that he cobbled together at the, like the original recording of Hit the Lights, he barely got it on and it's and barely got it. It's not even the quality of some of the other tracks on here. The new version is as, as good as some of the other tracks on here, but even no, that was raw. Okay, I will say this, the second version that's on this vinyl we are talking about today that I gave you, I gifted to you, I actually like James's vocals better than on Kill 'Em All. Because he sings a little more, he's a little Agreed. younger, and he's trying to sing instead of scream those yelp to those notes, which he did he, the rest of his career. When he got career. to kill them all, he was doing the Lemmy, the Lemmy parody. 
which right. is what he but the vocals on here where he actually holds some of those notes out is really good and nobody coached him and told him to do it or i don't know what he was imitating maybe dickinson i don't know but like or joe or, or joe elliott Oh, well, I mean, there's still Samson. They, I mean, Lars knew who Samson was. I mean, it's entirely oh, possible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. I was going to say, like, oh, well, know, it was and, never released in America. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, Lars. Lars. And then also, like, and also Diano has, again, we talked, we did in the Maiden series, how Diano was a better singer actually now. Like, now looking back on it, he's actually a better singer than we all remember because we all, all heard he was trash for years and years. He really wasn't. He just wasn't Dickinson. He just didn't have the right. operatic range. But he actually had some very fine, he had a good ear and he had some fine vocal vocal parts. And same with James. This this vocal, this is some of my favorite James's singing. Go back and listen to this version that's on Metal Man, the new version, the second version that is on this repress of Metal Masker. James is singing his ass off at 21-year-old James uh, that he wouldn't be able to do even until later on in his career. Um, no, he's not even, tw- he's only 20. <laughs> okay. He was born in 62. Yeah. All right. So I mean, Jesus Christ! It's he never had to get a real job. That's son of a bitch. I mean, he had some Joe jobs. He he'll tell you he'll tell you about it. But uh, Lawrence never had a job, actually. Probably. Um, anywho, um, I still don't understand why Lars's sons are so tall when he's so little. So I know his dad was very tall. I'm wondering what's up with that. But anyway, uh, Lars isn't speaker. that little. He's five seven. It's shorter than me. I mean, short, shorter than you by a lot. And his sons are over six one each. I stood next oh. to them. I was looking up at them like this. <laughs> uh, I was like, "Dudes, I'm so proud of you, my neck, my neck." Anyway, um, but so <clears throat> let let's roll this back to the compilation a little bit here instead of Lars's sons. Although, we yeah, yeah, a series yeah. On them. Uh, it's, I love the fact that this particular album has the exact polar opposites in the world. Bands that did nothing after this and a band that went on to great fame and fortune after this. I mean, how, how can you, how do you explain that? How do you, I can't, how do you wrap, it your, was how the, do you wrap your head part, around that? Part luck, part hard work, part sweat equity, part right time, right place, part just the magic of uh, Metal Blade plus John and Marsha Zazula plus Michael Alago, plus Electra Records, plus the culture of music, plus Ride the Lightning, yada, 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 and so forth and so on. It's also amazing to consider that, you know, Metal, or not Metal, excuse me, Megaforce Records was a record label started by a dude that owned a record shop in a flea market. Well, I mean, Metal Blade Records is is a record label started by a dude that worked at a record store in a strip mall in California and didn't, had no bigger dreams than to, the records he was importing and paying for and listening to, he wanted to do that for America. How do I make, how do I put some of these, this great LA scene stuff that's not the popular stuff, even though he has Rat and Black and Blue, who would go on to be part of that scene. How does he do that for America, for this new wave of America, you know, this uh, like sort of the, uh, the new Wobbum equivalent of America before thrash is even a thing? Because on future metal massacres, you have Slayer and you have actual thrash Megadeth and you have actual, you know, Armored Saint and uh, Metal Church become bands that their very first recordings are all on a metal massacre album. And, 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 you know, he puts, he starts putting out records on the back 
of this compilation series that took over the whole underground. You can't appreciate it now because there's no such an equivalent thing in our culture, but it's, it's like the equivalent of a SoundCloud rapper that has a song on TikTok and then gets a record deal. That's the only modern equivalent. It's, it is a truly, it's a true, it's truly an American success story all the way around. And it's, it still amazes me that Metallica didn't get signed by Metal Blade. I don't get that. It's weird that they didn't. It's, but they, I think they love Johnny and I don't, he could not have possibly had more money with a nascent label than Brian had after a year and a half of selling Metal Massacres. I don't think it was about money. Uh, but maybe it was also a thing where they wanted to get away from, you know, maybe they thought with Johnny's connections, they would have a better in, uh, entree to Europe. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a whole scene that, you know, like they got a lot of love when they came East. So, you know, I think there's a lot. It'd be oh, interesting to find out that. I'd like to ask that question to Brian, actually. Why didn't Metallica stay with Metal Blade? Why isn't the Megaforce story the Metallica story? Why is the Megaforce story the Metallica story instead of vice versa? Correct. That's, Sorry, that is an interesting question. No, that, that's a question I, I would like to hear the answer to because he ended up getting Slayer. He ended up getting, but although Anthrax went to Megaforce as well. Well, nobody wanted Anthrax. He had a big Megaforce. They, nobody wanted them. Um, and I don't think they actually tried to be on anywhere else. They wanted to be on Megaforce and that was it. And it may be, you know, what happens if Megaforce never says yes to Soldiers of Metal? Like what happens? That's a whole, that would be a whole good chaser. Um, you know, I'm grateful for this. This rec, this, you can't understate how the building blocks of Metal Blade are on this record, right? The basic original record, right? The diversity, uh, bands led by women, not no one band, no two bands sound exactly alike. They're all in the same subgenre. Little bits of different, you know, hard rock, heavy metal, new wobbum, proto thrash, the nascence of thrash metal, American thrash metal in its real raw form. Uh, the idea of a comp, the idea of zines, how this tape trading built a whole culture, all comes out of this comp in a way in our scene that hasn't happened in our scene since really the same way. Now, punk scenes have had a lot of different things, Maximum Rock and Roll, Triple X Magazine, all kinds of things. Didn't tape trade as much, but you know their culture was like, go hang out at the all day, all ages fest all day. And we are little, metalheads were a little older, drank beer, and you had to really get those tapes to understand who the bands were before you went to go see them. Because you couldn't, some bands you could never go see. You only had them on a tape. Whereas punks seem to play out a lot. For it's, their supper. it's an amazing snapshot of a <clears throat> moment in time and johnny resnick in a commercial once said that songs are pictures of time and that's why we call them albums of music that's not true but it is true and it kind of is, yeah johnny resnick of the goo goo dolls who was a super punk kid in the buffalo punk scene before iris and you know whatever oh yeah else. what label was he on metal blade I was not on purpose. Nailed it. But, <laughs> you know, it, to, it, it's so hard, I think, for most people to consider a time when American metal didn't really exist. And this is that moment where this is the moment where American metal burst out of the ground. 
the the tree hasn't grown the the flowers haven't bloomed there's no there's no grapes on the vine but it's coming and you can look at that tree look at that plant and say this is going to be something this tree is going to make it and it did and now it this is the 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 kind of american ingenuity that takes an idea and turns it to uniquely ours nicely said nicely said yeah i don't really have any more to add to this uh congratulations on 40 years to metal blade i'm still hopeful i'm going to get to interview brian about this but he's doing very little press i think he did such a huge round of press a while back for that book that he's probably not going to say anything new we haven't heard before about the history of metal blade 40 years of metal blade 41 years of metallica 40, 40 years plus of Rat, maybe 43 years of Rat. Um, Sirithungal still around. Other bands not still around. Black and Blue not around, really. But, um, you know. There just, is a, uh, a Jamie St. James and Tommy Thayer EP coming out of demos. All right. That's interesting. I'm not going to buy it. That. I won't be buying it, but it exists. You sure. You sure you're not going to buy it? You love, you love Tommy Dude, Thayer. Do you know how many black and blue records I've had in my hand over the like last three or four uh, years? A lot. All of them, I think. And every time I've gone, no, I don't want this. Although if I did find a copy of Nasty Nasty, I would probably pick that one up. Fair enough. Fair enough. If I can get it. I mean, not for like 10 bucks, like five. Very fair. Sorry, I'm rambling now. So I'm yeah, gonna... yeah, we're done, I think. And uh, again, props to Metal Blade, props to Metallica. You can go see Metallica. If you're listening to this podcast and the sounds of our voice or watching us on YouTube, you can check out Metallica all summer in Europe. Hopefully they, they keep up the good work uh, and, uh, you know, pepper in some of those older jams that I think people want to hear. And uh, yeah, man, that's about it for this chaser. Do we want to briefly talk about the next series? Yeah, go ahead and drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. I just saw Snoop Dogg. Uh, la 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 la. It's the motherfucking D O double G. The next series of the Glacially Musical Podcast and YouTube Extravaganza is going to be on an unsung band from the aughts. I think our first band of the aughts. First off, and this is and this is going to be not a typical band you all know. It's a band I'm fond of. Nick has very little connection with. This is Fireball Ministry. So get your weed, get your whiskey, get your wine, get ready to get rocked. Hopefully this is the time when you finally convince me. All right. I don't know. Did I, you, I mean, you tried to I convince can, me I, on other bands. and it Convince you of King's X's greatness without much effort. Oh, okay, that's fair. You did do that one. And I think I convinced a lot of fans too, because, you know, based on the traction those episodes got before we were really on YouTube. So those are pretty good pods. And I stand by that. Uh, Maybe at some point I will collect all the series and put them out one at a time on Ghost Cult where you can listen to them all in a row. Uh, That might be cool. Um, I just have to have time, which I have none of. Yeah, time is, uh, I barely have time to do these and I make sure I've always got them. So I do the the best I I, can. You know, no one has time. Time is the most valuable resource. And I am happy that you choose to spend yours with me as I love spending mine with your, with, wait a minute. I don't know. I love doing this. Same. Everyone who has been listening, and I'm just going to say this, knock on wood, we are coming up on the 100th episode of the Glacier Musical Podcast and YouTube Extravaganza. So Keefe's only been involved since I think episode 20-ish, but been a long run and we're going strong and we're going hard and 
you know, pants off, dance off. We'll keep going as far as I know. Wild. But with that, I will say thank you very much for listening. The biggest thing you can do to help us out is send a tweet, share, like, subscribe. That's, you know, like, comment. Those are the biggest things you can do. Uh, I mean, ideally, I would like them to listen and watch also. But like, well, you if know. you've gotten to this far, you're listening and watching. So that's also true. Uh, okay. Um, this. Oh, we forgot to talk about hockey. Uh, real quick. Today, the Rangers are playing game seven. Good luck. Knock out those bunch of jerks. And the Blues have been wiped out uh, in a heart- in heartbreaking fashion in game six. And that is it. This is the Glacier Musical Podcast. Keefe has to turn it off. It doesn't play in Peoria. Thanks for reminding me. I definitely would not have it. We would have a very awkward ending. Peace, yo.